So I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to talk about uh, Abraham Avinu, um, Abraham, our, our holy father uh, today, and particularly one aspect about him, um, which is this whole concept of the, the shield of, of Abraham, Magen Abraham. And um, uh, for those of you familiar with the, the, the Jewish uh, prayer service, we have the, the, the main body of prayer is called um, the Shemona Esrei, or the Amida, the 18 benedictions that we say. In fact, in the Talmud, that section is just called prayer. So that's how, um, that's how, how much of the, sort of the, the main course that, that particular prayer is, that it's just called prayer, because that's, that's really the essence of it. And the end of the very first um, prayer that we say is, um, Blessed are you, Hashem, uh, shield of Abraham. Magen Avraham. And um, so, those of us who, who pray this all the time, Magen Avraham, that's just, of course, I mean, that's just like, you know, breathing air. That's such a common phrase, and we say it constantly. What, um, what I realized this week, um, and I'm embarrassed to say that it was just this week, uh, is, is that this term, um, that God is going to be a shield, a Magen, a, a shield for Abraham, that this, this word, that this actually comes from the, the Torah itself. In other words, the, the, um, the, the phraseology of the blessings was put together by the rabbis. Um, obviously, they were often referring to uh, different passages in the Torah and the Tanakh, but, but not always, not always. And, um, and this idea that God will be a magain, a shield, to Abraham is, is actually, it's in Parshish Lechacha, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. And it says, after these events, the word of Hashem came to Abram, because he was not, his name hadn't been changed to Abraham yet, to Abram, in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am a shield for you. Your reward is very great. And the word magain is used there, magain lach. So, so this is a specific promise that God himself makes to Abraham to be a shield on my game. So, um, so I, w- I was thinking, wow, okay. So, first of all, that, that in itself was a bit of a revelation that, that, this, that we're referencing a specific promise that God himself made to Abraham. Okay, that's significant. But then I, I figured, okay, so my game. So now, that's, now we can take that word very, very seriously. My game. Like, we can really pick it apart and look at the letters and all the rest. You know, see what it contains. Since, again, it's coming straight from God. So, okay. So, so, so let's get into it. So, what is this whole idea of a shield and my gain? Um, and I want to analyze it from a couple of different levels. Um, the first thing that, that came to me was that this word, my gain, is really... Nigan. It can be read that way too. You see, my gain, let me just tell you what the, the, the letters are. It's Mem, Gimel, uh, Nun, final Nun. So, so, so the, the, the letter Mem, you should know in, in Hebrew, is a prefix. And it means from. Okay, so Mem in front of a word is a very discrete element or, or can be viewed as a very discrete, independent elephant. Uh, elephant? No, not elephant. <laughs> Definitely not a discrete elephant. Um, 
Just meaning from. That's grammatically correct. Gan is a very, a very resonant word in Torah. Um, Gan means garden. And when you refer to the Gan, you're referring to the Garden of Eden. Aha, so now we're really, like a lot of stuff is starting to open up here. So this idea that God is going to be a shield, a magain for Abraham, right? Magain can now be read as Migan, from the Garden of Eden. Okay, so what does that mean exactly? So I'm going to approach it from two different levels. The first level is to show you something um, which is how primary, how primary Avraham Avinu is in terms of the image of the human being and the image of what God sought to create from the outset. And I think it's very significant. I want to point your attention. It's a pasuk that we look at quite a bit, um, but um, never. Uh, only until recently did it, it did it strike me that it's that that it's um, that where it's situated in the Torah is so significant, and I'm, I'm referring to um, this word behibaram, um, which appears in chapter two, verse four uh, of the of the Torah, and behibaram. This is. This is, and I'm going to just situate it for you in a moment and give you another perspective on this. Bihibaram, the Zohar says, if you rearrange the letters of Bihibaram, it spells Be'avraham. And so here you have a very early reference to Avraham Avinu, like, like way before, way before Parshish Lech Lecha. In fact, this is before really the account of Adam in the garden at all is way before Adam eats from the tree of knowledge with Chava. Okay, so, now, what's so significant about it? Because up until now, I've been thinking of it as chapter 2, verse 4. <laughs> that same verse, by the way, also very significant, is the first mention of the Yudke Vavke in the entire Torah. And I'll tell you something just sort of like biographical, which... It's probably of no interest to anyone except me, but I just, uh, I, just, I just want to share it anyway, because those of you who have been coming to the talks and listening to the talks know that one of the themes that I keep on going back to again and again and again, because it just fascinates me, is, the, um, is just the Yudke Vavke, that particular name of Hashem, and which appears for the first time in this Pasuk, and just trying to understand it, you know, this Tetragrammaton, which is essentially an, an expression of God's infinity. It means he was, is, and will be. It's a contraction of these three things. Um, uh, haya, hove, and yiye. Those three words contract to form this, this word, this name of Hashem, the Yudke Vavke, which is the letters Yud and He and Vav and He, of course. So, the gematria of that word is 26, and I was born on the 26th of Tishrei of the Jewish month. And also, my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, the, my birth Parsha, when I was born, is Parsha's Breshis, and I'm a Levi. And the first line of the Levi Aliyah is the first mention of the Yudke Vavke in the Torah. 
So I just thought that was kind of interesting that there was sort of like a kind of like a soul connection to this name, you know, you know. So um, anyway, like I said, that's a thus ends that little digression. Um, but um, but but here you see now, let me just talk about this, the, the situation of this, because if you say the first name of Hashem, the most exalted name of Hashem happens in chapter two, verse four. That's a little bit curious. Like that's, it seems to be, you know, in in uh, in, in the um, one of my favorite phrases in the in the in the uh, journalism uh, field, they talk about burying the lead. What it means to bury the lead is is when you, you know, if someone's won the Nobel Prize, that's the headline. That's what the article is about. So and so wins the Nobel Prize. You don't. If the article is about someone winning the Nobel Prize, you don't mention that in paragraph five. Right? It's like, oh, so-and-so woke up today and did his usual shopping. And then, you know, in paragraph five, and he found out that he won the Nobel Prize. That's, that's called burying the lead, okay? So, so you want to you make sure that the lead is the headline, right? So, so the point is, the, the, this great name of Hashem, the name of Hashem, appearing in the Torah, chapter 2, verse 4, that's weird. That's weird. Okay, now they're amazing explanations, and I've shared them in the past. The Chernobyl Rebbe especially gives a phenomenal thing. Maybe I can just uh, say it over extremely quickly. The idea is basically, well, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to say it quickly. The, the idea is Tzimtzum, um, which, is, which is that essentially Hashem... Hashem, in order to reveal himself, you see, the example that I always think of is if, if someone is very thirsty and you take a fire hose and turn it on full blast in front of their face, it's not helpful. They're not going to get a lot of water. It's just going to, you know, rock it off their face and they're not going to get much, you know. So Hashem, in his, in his infinity, if he wants to reveal himself, it's going to obliterate everything. Because it's just, it's too much light, and it's too strong. So basically, Hashem contracts His light, and He makes a physical universe, and then He reveals Himself within the physical universe. So it's almost like you have um, plumbing, if you will, that can take the, the vast ocean and put it through a pipe so that it can come through a faucet, so that it can be received. Okay? So... So, it's a, it's a much more exalted thought, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just give the essence of it over here. So, what you see, quite amazingly, is that the first mention of the Yudke Vavke appears after this word, Behibaram, which is a reference to Abraham Avinu. So, what that means is, is that God makes him, himself manifest through the actions of human beings. See, this great exalted name of Hashem gets filtered into the world through our actions, through the performance of our mitzvah. And that's, that's incredible. And it's a way of understanding something that the Kutzka Rebbe said, which is, which is, where is God? So, everyone will run to say the same answer, God is everywhere. But the Kutzka Rebbe says something way deeper. He says that God is where you make a place for Him. Now, the reason why that's so deep is because it's true God is everywhere. But if I'm cheating and lying and 
killing and doing all sorts of terrible things, while it's true God is everywhere, in, in a way it's almost beside the point. Now, of course, God gives us free choice and God runs the world, but God gives us free choice, free choice as well. So, so the idea is to utilize our free choice to reveal God in this world. So where is God? God is where we make a place for Him. Meaning to say, to the extent that we reveal Him in this world is the extent that, that, that He becomes known. Okay. So now, with that in mind, let's return back to this idea that the Yudke Bavke is appearing for the first time after this word Behibaram, after Avraham is, is mentioned, is, is hinted at. So in other words, through the tzaddik, through the elevated personality that we strive to be, then after that, through, through that person, God becomes revealed in this world, through us, through all of us. Okay, now, I promise to situate this better than saying chapter 2, verse 4, and, and I will. You see, it's the very first line after the seven days of creation is completed. Um, Hashem gives an account of the first seven days of creation and that ends a whole the first chunk of the Torah forget about Aliyahs and chapters and verses and all the rest the very first chunk of the Torah is the explanation of the first seven days of creation and in fact um, when we first read the Torah on Simcha's Torah morning um, after after we finished it and we started again, we read up until this section. We don't read the entire Parsha. We read up until the first seven days, and then that's it. So that's, that's a distinct, discrete entity in the Torah. Now, the very first line after that is the first mention of the Yudke Vavke and the first hinting at Abraham Avinu. Okay, so, that's, that's so, so now when you think about it, it's not chapter 2, verse 4 anymore. You know, it's not like the lead has been buried anymore. It's sort of like now that we get into the real nitty-gritty of creation, it's the first thing that's mentioned. So now, oh, wow, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, now there's something else. There's, there's something else that has to be understood, which is that you have two accounts of Adam Harishon, Adam and Chava. And there's a lot that's written on this, and I'm not going to go into any of it. I'm just going to give you one idea of it, which is... The first seven days are, sort of, so to speak, the blueprint of creation. It's an overview. I'll use the word, it's an objective, if you will, description of it. This was created on the first day. This was created on the second day. This was created on the third day. And this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and this is good. And it's very cut and dry in that way. Right? Like a blueprint. Now, after the seven days, starting with this Pasuk that we've just mentioned, chapter 2, verse 4, right? where Behibaram, where Abraham is, 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 is hinted at, right? And then the first mention of the, this holiest name of Hashem. That's the beginning of the account of Adam and Chava in the Garden of Eden, leading up to their eating from the tree of knowledge and being exiled. So now you've got, all of a sudden you kick in from the objective blueprint to the, you know, Latin American telenovela. You know, it's sort of like, Okay, now we've got like the drama of creation, the drama of what it means to be a human being faced with free choice and making mistakes. Okay, so now it's, it's an account 
from the, the people's point of view. Now, this is another explanation why the name of Hashem, the Yudke Vavke, which stands for Hashem's Rachamim, for His mercy, is being mentioned here for the first time. Because, basically, this is the beginning of the account of human beings making mistakes and not being perfect. And so, right at the very beginning of that, the reference of God's mercifulness is being referenced right at the very top to show that we couldn't survive without that. So again, it's placement and where it appears in the Torah, you know, it's, the lead is not being buried, far from it. It's actually appearing in the most exalted place, the most incredible place. But really, the point that I want to make is, is not all that, although all that is, 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 is important. But the point that I really want to make is to show how Abraham Avinu is being situated in the Garden of Eden. Right? He wasn't there. He wasn't there because he wasn't born yet. But nonetheless, Hashem has already summoned him as the ideal person that we're all aiming to be. And what the purpose of creation is. Abraham Avinu. So again, we started with this idea of Magain Avraham, that God himself promises to be a shield to Abraham. And God himself uses this word Magain. I'm now breaking down this word to Migan, from the Garden of Eden. You already see Avraham. Migan Avraham. From the Garden, you're already seeing a reference to Abraham. Not only that, but I understand that there's a Gomorrah, maybe it's a Medrash, I'm not sure, which says that when Hashem went to create human beings, mankind, the angels protested and said, no, no. And then Hashem showed them a vision of Avraham. And the angels went, oh, if that's what we're talking about, absolutely. Yes, yes, we, we agree. We agree. So again, even right in the beginnings of the imaginings of, of, of human beings, Avraham is already playing this very critical role. Okay? Now, now I want to go further with this thought. This idea of... Uh, Magain and Migan. Because it's not just that Avraham Avinu is being situated in the Garden of Eden. He's coming, Avraham and Sarah are coming to correct the chet, the mistake of the eating from the tree of knowledge of Adam and Chava. Okay? So, one couple is coming to fix the work of the other couple. And there you see that very, very clearly. You see that very clearly in a medrash. That's one of one of the more heartbreaking midrashim uh, in the entire Torah. And sometimes I cry when I say it over. I won't now, but it's uh, it is genuinely heartbreaking. Which is that. Uh, when Abraham went to bury Sarah at the end of her life, in Morsa Machpelah, the uh, cave of the patriarchs, it says he brought Sarah in. And we all know that Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, were buried in this place as well. And the Zohar says that, the, that, the, that this cave was the entrance to heaven. 
the entrance to the Garden of Eden. So it's really an exalted place. And uh, it says when Abraham first found it, um, he saw like a light shining and all the rest. So there's a whole account of how he found it. Um, when he went to feed the angels that, that, that came to him, and he ran to greet them in the heat of the day and all the rest, um, he wanted to feed them some uh, like a calf. And the calf ran away. And he chased after the calf, and the calf had run to Mor Samach Pela, and that's how he discovered it. So from this you see something else. I, I sort of connected the dots on this, which is that hospitality is the entrance to heaven. Right? And, and they say that, that to do hospitality is to be able to makabo the Pnei Shekhinah, to be able to receive the Shekhinah is, is something that God's holy presence is something that happens when when you offer hospitality to guests. So the idea that his effort in giving hospitality led him to the Garden of Eden really is quite appropriate and, and beautiful. Anyway, Abraham is bringing Sarah to be buried and it says, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, climb out of their graves because they're so embarrassed. They're so embarrassed that Abraham and Sarah are there. They're so ashamed. They're so ashamed. Especially Chavid says he's so ashamed. And Abraham has to console them so that they'll go back into their graves. And Abraham says to them, don't worry, we're here to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. So here you see that, that the that the shield, Magain Avraham, God promises to be a protection to Avraham, now Migan from the garden. In other words, now let's learn Migan in a different way, on a different level. Migan now means that Hashem is promising Avraham and all of the Jewish people to the end of days that He's going to be a shield, a protection for them till we are able to fix the Chet the mistake, Migan, from the garden. From the garden. Until we have success in bringing Mashiach and rectifying the world as partners with God, God is going to protect us and be a shield to us till we fix the mistake, Migan, from the Garden of Eden. Right? So that's a whole nother level. Whole nother level. All right. Now I want to approach it from another, another level as well. A whole, this is now going to be a whole other approach. So up until now we've been saying that Magain can be understood as Migan from the garden. Okay? And we understood on the first level that that meant that Avraham Avinu was really the first image of a human being that was summoned in, in God's consciousness, so to speak. And so, situating him in the garden makes sense. Then we said that Migan means from the garden, meaning not, not Abraham per se, but that God is going to be a protection till we correct the mistake from the garden. So those are the first two levels. Now I want to approach the word Migan from a completely different perspective. From the letters themselves. Mem, right? And Gan as a separate word. I'm going to show you in a moment how Mem stands for the Torah, and Gan also stands from the, for, for the Torah. And we'll also 
tie this into the idea that God is going to be a shield for us, and it will all come together, God willing. But let's approach this. How is, and how does this connect to Abraham? Because it all has to connect to Abraham still, okay? So, how does the letter Mem stand for the Torah, and, how, and why does it connect to Abraham um, as a reference to the Torah? And it's actually very straightforward. Um, Mem is the gematria of 40. Uh, and we all know that, that when Moshe uh, received the Torah on Mount Sinai, that he was there for 40 days. So, Mem is a very clear reference to the receiving of the Torah. Okay, so what does that have to do with Abraham, though? Right? Well, it's very clear. Because it says in the Gomorrah that when Abraham Avinu went up, to, uh, rather, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to receive the Torah, the angels wanted to kill him. And, um, and, and it was only when Hashem put the face of Abraham Avinu on Moshe and said to the angels, this is the man who gave you hospitality? And this is how you treat him? The angels backed off and said, sorry. You're right, sorry. You're right. So, and this is in the Gomorrah. This is, so this is an amazing thing. You see that the Torah really, as much as Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get it, it wasn't enough. It was only when Hashem put the face of Avraham Avinu on Moshe that the angels relented. So, so, so you see, the letter Mem stands for the Torah and Avraham Avinu receiving the Torah. Okay? So, so, so we're going to get into the word Gan in a moment. But let's just tie that, this new piece into our discussion up until now. So, Hashem is promising us that He's going to be a shield to us until we fix that which went wrong in the Garden of Eden. How are we going to fix it? Well, the first hint of the word Magain, God is going to be a shield to us till we do it, is this letter Mem. We're going to do it with the Torah. We're going to do it with the Torah. Okay, now let's get into the word Gan. I want to mention one more thing, because it's, um, it's part of the other discussion. It's a bit of a side point, but, but very much worth mentioning. There's a further account of how we got it. It wasn't just that Hashem put the face of Abraham and then everything was settled and all the rest. Moshe actually has to make a series of arguments, and this is really more focused on Moshe, which is also a mem, by the way. But anyway, it's... Um, it's focused on Moshe and the arguments that he makes to the angels that confound the angels. And what struck me about this was that, listen to these arguments and tell me if you think that this is something that really, like a, 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 a third grader at a Jewish day school couldn't come up with these arguments. And these absolutely confound the angels. But now we're going to explain, like, how, why were these so confounding in a moment. But anyway... I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but these were some of the things that Moshe said. He said um, to the angels, you have to give us the Torah. And the, and the, you have to let me get the Torah. And the angels are like, no way. And Moshe says, well, yeah, but these mitzvahs, like for instance, do you have parents that you have to honor? 
And the angels were like, hmm, I, I guess we don't. You, you know? Like, <laughs> and then he says, do you work so hard that you need a day of rest on Shabbos? They're like, he got us again. <laughs> How did he do it? And Moshe goes through a series of the commandments and shows how they absolutely don't apply to the angels. But the angels are like utterly vexed by this level of argumentation, which seems to, at least my ears and probably yours as well, so utterly basic. How could it be that they're thrown by something so utterly basic? And the explanation, as far as I understand it anyway, is amazing. Because the Torah is completely infinite. And the Malachim, the angels, are studying our Torah on such an exalted, esoteric, amazing level that for us, what strikes us as pshat, the most simple explanation, and pshat because we have bodies and everything like that, they don't have bodies, strikes them as completely far out. Like, they're like, whoa, that's right, you have bodies. And, I mean, but can you imagine the level that they're learning the Torah on? That this should seem like the most amazing Chiddush to them? It's not that they can't learn Torah on a basic level. They're, they're like swimming in the depths and the infinity of the Torah. But this particular human perspective, because they're not human beings, strikes them as phenomenal. But it shows you how deep the Torah must absolutely be that that should strike, that these arguments should strike them as, you know, you know amazing chidushim, as like way out insights. Do you hear? Do you hear? So it's, it's really a testimony to how deep the Torah and how infinite the Torah is that this level of argumentation from Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, you know amazed them like it did. Okay. Now, let's go on. You say, I told you that Magain, we're going to analyze this word Magain, shield of Abraham, also from a different level, from meaning the Torah. So, we said how the Mem stands for the Torah, specifically how Abraham got the Torah, right? And, uh, and now let's go to this word God. This word God is very, very interesting. Um, you see, God is the Gematria 53. And this is, I'm, I'm quoting from the Lubavitcher Rebbe right now. The word Gan is the Gematria 53. Now, what's so interesting is that there are 54 Parshas in the Torah, but two of the Parshas, um, Nitzavim and Vayelech, are so tiny, and we always read them together, on some level it's one Parsha. This is the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So, so, so on, on some level, as much as there are 54 Parshas, there are also, you can also say 53 Parshas. So the word Gan, Garden, Garden of Eden, is referring to also the Torah. Not just the Mem of Magain. The Mem is Torah, and Gan is Torah. Okay? Now, I want to read you a section. I could try to put this in my own words, but it's written so clearly and beautifully here. I just want to read this. This is from um, Chabad, put out a, a beautiful Chumash. They put out more than one, but um, this is, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, it's called, I guess, Chumash Breshis. 
And it has, in the English translation, it incorporates all the Rashis in the, and, and Midrashim in the English translation. See, a lot of times what happens is, is that people will get a, um, a good copy of the Torah, but um, it doesn't include all the learning that you do over the years and all the Midrashim and all the critical things that you must know if you're going to properly understand the Torah. And that often takes years and years and years and years to figure out all those things. So what Chabad did in this Chumash, and I especially recommend Chumash Breshis because it's phenomenal what they accomplished uh, with this edition. And it just came out like a couple of years ago. Is they've incorporated in the English translation of the Torah all of the Midrashim, or many of the major Midrashim, and Rashis as well. So that what you're reading really is the Jewish understanding, the authentic understanding of what the Torah is actually saying. So I, I highly recommend it. Now, there's also great commentary in it as well. So I'm going to read to you from the commentary. This is on page 20 in the little, in the little highlighted box here. It's going on the, it's going on the passage, verse 10, uh, chapter 2. A river issued from Eden to water the garden. Okay? So listen to this. In mystical terms, Eden, and by the way, I'm, I'm using, we talk about Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. So Gan is referring to Eden. So they're interchangeable to a certain extent. So I have in mind the word Gan as much as I'm saying Eden right now. Okay? Um, and by the way, it says an issue, a, a river issued from Eden to water the Gan. So, Gan is very much in this Pasuk itself, okay? In mystical terms, Eden denotes the divine bliss that is beyond any direct relationship with the physical world. The river, quote-unquote, that flows out of Eden is the conduit that channels some of this supernal delight into the garden, i.e., the physical pleasures of this world. To this end, the river... Now, this is what it says in the Torah, divided and became four heads, meaning that the river that was rushing out of the Garden of Eden split into four different rivers. Okay? Now, listen to this. This is really quite amazing. That is, it divided into the four worlds of emanation, creation, formation, and action. Right? Because Kabbalistically speaking, we say there are four different worlds or four different stratas or stratospheres of this world. Like, we always talk about how this is Olamasiya, the world of action, that's this realm. And the most exalted one is, you know, Atsilus, right? That's the, the top of the four, right? And um, basically when we were talking about how Hashem condenses His light, contracts His light, right, from the spiritual down to the physical. So that's, the, that's these four worlds, okay? So uh, there's more to read here, but, but I just want to make sure that we're all following. The Rebbe is saying something amazing. He's saying that the that, the, that, this, that this passage, a river issued from Eden to water the garden, that that is sort of like God's light or God's essence or however you want to say it, his hashpah, that God's, God is watering it from the upper realms down to, this, down to this dimension that we exist in right now. And that the four, the four um, pathways of the river are the four different realms or Kabbalistic worlds of creation. Okay? 
So the river that flows out of Eden is the conduit that that channels some of this supernal delight into the garden, i.e. the physical pleasures of this world. To this end, the river, quote, divided and became four heads, four rivers. That is, it divided into the four worlds of emanation, creation, formation, and action through which godliness is processed and reduced, that's like tzimtzum, to the point where we can experience it as physical pleasure. Now, there's one more note here. Our challenge is to transform and elevate the material pleasures of this world into experiences of God's sublime transcendence. The transformation is accomplished through another garden, Gan, whose numerical value is 53, the 53 partios of the Torah. The Torah enables us to bring godliness into our daily lives. So, in this way, you see that the garden which is also the Torah, because it's the numerical equivalent in its own way of the Torah, the garden which is also the Torah is that which flows from the upper reaches of the celestial spheres. And we use that garden, that place of pleasure, that place of delight, we transform it with the lower garden, with, with, with the Torah itself, and we transform that, 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 that pleasure into, into light, into, into redemption, essentially. Right? It's a very exalted, very, very exalted uh, vision of creation. Very exalted. Um, so now, now I want to take this whole discussion one step further. So, So now, let's just recap. What we've said is, we began by saying that Hashem promises us, promises Abraham that he's going to be a shield to him. Magain Abraham. Right? We broke that down into Migan, from the garden. That Abraham was imagined and was situated in the Garden of Eden. That image of the perfected human being. Not only that, but God promises us that He's going to be a shield of protection to us till we fix that which happened, Midan, from the garden, the Chet, from eating, the mistake from eating from the tree of knowledge. He'll be a shield for us until we do it. How will He be a shield from us? Migan, Mem, Gan. How are we going to do it? How are we going to fix it? With the Torah itself. The Mem is the 40 days that we receive the Torah at Mount Sinai, and Gan is also the garden. Also the Torah. But you see right now something quite amazing. And I'm going to add a new piece of information, which is that the Gan is not just, not just the, the Torah, the five books, but what we just said was that the Gan, the waters flowing down to the Gan, right? is all of the four worlds of existence. It's all of existence. Why? Because God made the world out of the Torah. That's another level. Why God, garden, is correlating with the entire four worlds, with all of existence. Because God made the world 
out of the Torah. Now, here's the new piece of information. Now, I heard this from Rabbi David Aaron of Israelite, and he said, in the name of the Kabbalists, that when the final fixing comes, when the final fixing comes, we're going to realize we never left the garden. That we never left. Now, that's, that's an awesome concept. That's a, that's a headliner right there. Probably should have started with that, right? <laughs> so now, now, let's revisit this word knowing that. How, are we, how is this fixing going to happen? My gain? That God is going to be a shield to us till we do it? With the Torah, God is going to guide us. The mem of the Torah, that's our Torah, that's our five books, right? God is going to guide us through history, through the fixing, through our own lives, with, with the revealed Torah, that's the mem, that's what we got at Mount Sinai, and we'll be able to navigate, use it to navigate through the entirety of the world, which is also Torah. The Mem, the revealed Torah, is going to help us to navigate through the Gan, which is all of existence, which is the four worlds, which is the entire fabric of the universe. Okay, we better stop there.